wish we were playing Duck Hunt right now. What a confusing new religion this is. <laughs> I don't know why I was so enthusiastic. That's the spirit. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast that confuses the pain. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Amy Schneider. We are properly married. Why not geld me while you're at it? I think you're well ahead of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your body, your choice. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Cousins, we're back. We are. With more Wolf Hall. That's right. Episode all, five. All the Wolf Hall you can shake a wolf at. <laughs> Please don't shake a wolf. <laughs> uh, I think I'd come out the worst. <laughs> well, no, I know exactly. It's like those things about never shake a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Never shake a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff you shouldn't shake. Well, yeah, that's you know, true. Uh, a bottle or can of soda. Yeah. For example. Mm-hmm. Your money maker? Or wait, no, you should shake that. Uh, I mean, it depends. <laughs> well, right. Do you want to, in fact, use it to make money? Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, really, look, I don't have time to get into... No, it's like, it can be a benefit, you know, but it could also, like, derail your political career. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anything could happen. Yeah, that's true. I think something died in the wall in my apartment. <laughs> All right. Well, something in the kitchen smells bad. Okay. And we can never figure out what it is. Yeah. And, like, we've cleaned out everything that could be, you know, bad smelling. Uh-huh. So I think something's dead in the wall. Well, uh... I don't know what to do with that information. I don't either. I don't know why I'm sharing it with everybody. I just felt... Oh, it's because I can smell it sitting here. Well... You can't. No. You're all sniffly. I am all sniffly. And even if you could, you can't smell anything. No, I'm not very good at it, no. No, you're a terrible smeller. (laughs) That's famous for it, really. Yep. Yep. Old Tom... (laughs) Old Amy can't smell Schneider. That's right. I took remedial smelling classes, but it didn't help. Yeah, just like your handwriting. (laughs) Yeah. You were like, I'm gonna write terribly. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Well, and then I tell people I smell bad and they get all confused. It's, yeah. yeah it's tough. It is very confusing. <laughs> Speaking of things that are tough and confusing, uh, <laughs> when we get down toward the end of the first page of this recap, you're going to have to take over because <laughs> boy, howdy, did I have problems. Yeah. It was a whole adventure. My printer may be possessed. It so may I've be. Got a dead thing in the wall and a possessed printer. <laughs> Uh, could the two be related? Look, I'll do anything I need to. I have some sage. So that's one thing I can do. Yes. But I will do anything. Right. Try me. Okay. I didn't know you had sage. I can't smell. I Well, yeah, but it also doesn't smell much unless you burn it. Well, okay. Gosh, you call yourself a woman. <laughs> Don't even know about sage. I'm a computer programmer woman. <laughs> Oh yeah, we have different computer programmer women do all kinds of dumb stuff, <laughs> like not know what sage is <laughs> and bathe. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm famous for both of those things. Yep. <laughs> Every day I bathe, wonder what sage is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I kept buying all those sage and citrus candles while we were married. I thought you would catch on. <laughs> one in my kitchen now i'm gonna light it later so it smells less like the dead thing <laughs> all right that's enough banter yeah. <laughs> banter over this is a serious <laughs> podcast about a very serious period of british history well i mean that much so is let's true. serious it up okay uh yeah so it's called crows much like the crows that are currently circling your wall 
<laughs> that was like a chicken crow. It was. What if a crow was also a chicken? <laughs> An old Zen koan. Four and twenty num nums baked in a pie. <laughs> I liked how you said that all sassy. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you're going to eat crow, you might as well be sassy. Yeah, that's true. Well, this crow is also a chicken. <laughs> so I thought I would call it a num-num. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably tastes much better than a crow. Or, you know, a full crow. Like, you'd think half chicken is a little bit more tasty. I don't know. Look, I don't know the genetics behind this. I'm thinking it's more like Jesus, fully human, fully divine, fully crow, fully chicken. I don't make the rules. I just eat the num-nums. Boy, what a confusing new religion this is. (laughs) It's not a religion. It's a new food product called num-nums, which are fully chicken and fully crow. Listen, this entire podcast is brought to you by Num Nums. So start talking about Wolf Hall. Or I'm going to shake you like a wolf. I never shake a Num Num. <laughs> okay. So we start off with the opening text, which actually is kind of like meh compared to the others. Yeah. Usually it's got a little bit more attitude. Yeah. This one is just like, uh, hey, uh, stuff is going on, uh, and they're going to Wolf Hall. Yeah. And so that's just the text. That stays <gasps> From up. the title. That's right. It's it's the title. It is. It is they're the going title. there. Finally. <laughs> yeah. And then they, uh, I guess the story was a little thin because they just repeat the last scene from last episode. I was very perplexed. <laughs> yeah. I was like, did we already do this episode? What is happening? I haven't started typing yet. <laughs> uh, can I prevent myself from doing anything? <laughs> right. Uh, so then we see everybody at dinner at Wolf Hall, um, and uh, there's chatting going on. Some guy wants a, a bride for Cromwell. Cromwell's very much just, like, watching everybody, <laughs> like, suspiciously. And then uh, Henry falls asleep, and they all are discussing how they're going to go about waking him up. Nobody wants to do it. And then J- Jane Seymour, who's down at the other end of the table, just gets up walks past everybody and like taps Henry on the hand and he wakes up and he's like, I wasn't asleep, just resting my eyes. <laughs> and it's, uh, we've all been that idiot. Yeah. And it's, I, I wrote in my note, Jane Seymour, super genius. <laughs> <laughs> That's how low the bar is at Wolf Hall. Well, true, but it's also this, this watched through. I've been much more convinced that Jane Seymour is like, got a long-term plan and is well aware of what she's doing the whole time. Okay. I don't have as much experience watching Wolf Hall as you. <laughs> Nobody does. Nobody does. Um, yeah, no, just, yeah, it just, because in, you, you know, the sort of first impression is that she just happens to be, you know, a contrast to Anne, and so when Henry's looking to ditch Anne, she's like right there. But I think she... Sometimes literally. Right. In such a cinematic way that I'm like, <laughs> oh, come on. Yeah. So Cromwell is uh, standing at a window. There's a lot of window standing in this episode. Yeah, that's true. This is a much shorter recap than normal. There's a lot more like gazing at stuff and doing things without talking. Yeah, I, I didn't take many notes either. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was pretty compact. Yeah. Anyway, so he is looking at Jane Seymour outside and suddenly Henry walks into the frame. He's been there the whole time, idiots. <laughs> so he's talking to her and like holding her hand and Cromwell looks... Uh, discomfited yes he he has spent 
a good chunk of his career making sure that Henry could be married to Anne Boleyn. And now Anne Boleyn is not without her drawbacks. Indeed. But uh, the devil you know is often better than the Seymour that is confusing and opaque. Yeah. No, he, he like backs away from the window once he sees Henry. Yeah. It's like, yee. Uh, so down in the dining hall, Jimmy Kent asks Jane to tell Cromwell what uh, the king asked her. Uh, and he, yeah, he says it's no time for modesty or whatever. And Jane's like, it's always time for modesty. I'm Jane Seymour. <laughs> and it's time. Time for modesty. <laughs> Uh, what he, a- he asked if she would look kindly on him if perhaps he sent her a poem or some such. If it was me, I would be like, I don't care if you're the king. Fuck poems, and then I would go to Italy. <laughs> I would have to. Well, right. Cause when you tell the king, fuck poems, yeah. and he's about to write you one, uh, he's gonna kill you. Yeah, you better run. Uh, she asked what to do if or, well, uh, Jimmy says that if the, if Henry should try anything on her person, uh, that she should scream, and Jane immediately replies, what if nobody comes? Uh-huh. Uh, and Cromwell says not to scream, but to pray out loud something that will appeal to His Majesty's piety and sense of honor. And Jane says, well, I'll show fetch my prayer book. I'm sure I can find something to fit the bill. You love Jane Seymour. I do. You want to be Jane Seymour. Yeah, she's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. You should be here for Halloween. No one will know who you are. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, so she heads out and Cromwell stands up and the whole family is just like... Her? Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're like, wow, someone Wolf Hall did something right? <laughs> yeah, they're like, was she here the whole time? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes she was at uh, court. True crying all the time and well you know her dad was boning his daughter-in-law like she has you know not been able to get much uh much play (laughs) hard to compete with that no so then uh cromwell approaches jane alone at a window and like they don't say anything it's like okay great like remember when you maybe were gonna marry her like what happened to that Mm -hmm. so we see cromwell riding toward kimbleton castle the residence of catherine of aragon in exile and they give cromwell some guff (laughs) at the gate and they're like oh show us your colors and he tells rafe to tell them uh that he'll show them uh his foot in their backside or something like that yeah yeah and they let him in ha 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 (laughs) yes so he goes up to catherine and she asks how she looks because she says the king has sent Cromwell to see if she's really dying. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is. Spoiler yeah. alert. She wants Cromwell to let the Princess Mary come visit her. And Henry basically won't let Mary anywhere near her. He won't let Mary leave the country. Mm-hmm. And Catherine's like, does he really think Mary's going to come back here with an army of like 40,000 people? And Cromwell's like, yeah. Basically, yeah, like plenty of people will be super fine with it. Yeah, specifically the Holy Roman Emperor's army. Yes, and remember how he said that her grandmother was a warrior. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, look, there's precedent here. Yeah. So well, it's also he's in. I think it's only in the book that they mentioned that they specifically don't want her going while uh, Catherine is dying because they don't want some kind of deathbed vow to be made or uh-huh. something like that. Aha, uh-huh, that makes sense. Yeah, because it makes me sad. I'm like, that sucks. Like it, to not be able to see your daughter at all. Like yeah. you're about to die. Yeah, it does suck. 
So she says that she's going to die well to set an example for Henry when his time comes. And Cromwell's like, oh, do you think about the king's death often? (laughs) She says she does not think about his death, but she worries about him in the afterlife. Uh, You know, I think she's well within her rights. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Is it wise? No. She should have, you know, girl, he's just not that into you. Right. He's just not that into everybody. If he had only, if that book had existed at this time, <laughs> yeah. maybe there would have been fewer beheadings. Yeah, but I mean, all that said, she bears less blame for all those shenanigans than most people involved. Oh, absolutely. So. No, and I was watching this and I was just thinking about how much of history is just because people are petty AF. Because <laughs> it's like, who cares, man? Deal with your life. Yeah. Keep sewing your dumb crap and just stop being <laughs> sad. Anyway, uh, she asks about the Princess Elizabeth... And she says she heard that Anne Boleyn miscarried and she seems to betray a bit of empathy mm-hmm. for that situation. And Cromwell picks up something she dropped. It was, yeah, she was sewing and then she put it down in her lap and then she just stood up and it, yeah, it was weird. Anyway, Cromwell, that was dumb. <laughs> Don't pick stuff up. Yeah. Anyway, she says she hopes that there's no rift between Henry and Anne in such a way that it sounds like, oh, there's a rift. Well, I think... And he's like, no, the rift is in Cardiff. Well, I thought it was... <laughs> right. I think she was saying a rift between Cromwell and Anne. Because oh. Cromwell... went. He said that they have hopes of another child. And she said, specific or general. She was like, oh, you don't seem to know. Maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's what I thought. That makes sense as well. Right. Because then in the next scene, we have Cromwell tracking down Lady Rochford. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so he... Well, first he just looks at her because she's got another random lady with her. And so the lady, you know, fucks off. And he asks if Anne is pregnant. And apparently, yes. And uh, she says that, you know, it's not a surprise. The king was with her. I forget how she phrases it. But, like, she's making this elaborate way to say that Harry Norris... Uh, may well be the father of this supposed child, but once she's said that he's, once pr- once she said that Anne is pregnant, like Cromwell gets distracted and isn't really paying attention and wanders off. And she says, "And you're usually such a good listener." It's just this because we almost never get anything not from Cromwell's perspective. Yeah. So it was interesting to see yeah this particular thing and be like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somebody killed Anne's dog. <laughs> <laughs> somebody threw her dog out the window now allegedly various people have tried to be like oh he got up there and uh then this little person comes out and has rebaptized her fool yes. oh great um yeah it is very island of dr moreau <laughs> and so she's all pugnacious yeah and- she says she's named her mary because you know, Spanish Mary is almost a dwarf, isn't she? And it's like, she's plenty tall. She's very tall. We she's, saw her. Yeah. Anyway, she's weird. Yeah. Uh, Anne is upset about the dog being dead, but also because she knows that they are trying to negotiate a marriage between Mary and the Dauphin of France. And that's actually not even true. Right. But she says that it's as if she never married Henry and Catherine is still queen and she never gave birth to her daughter and it's as if Anne doesn't exist. And I'm like, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah. I feel like you need to quit it with this catastrophic thinking. 
and yeah. she doesn't because her genius plan is that Cromwell should send somebody up to where Mary is living uh-huh. and deflower her. She says Cromwell can do it himself. Uh, she doesn't care. And right. Cromwell is like, uh, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Those methods are not my methods. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got nothing against Princess Mary. Right. And she's still the king's daughter. She's still the and king's daughter. And this is daughter. what Anne keeps forgetting. Yeah. Like, there are... There are a number of strategies she could have played out here that mm-hmm. would have brought Princess Mary into her orbit. And, you know, I don't know that she could have completely counteracted the influence of the Holy Roman Empire and her mother. Right, right. But, you know, at least making some kind of effort here. Yeah. Cromwell suggested Anne drop her schemes and all of her plans and just stay quiet until her child is born. And Anne is like, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah. And she says to make a deal with her before her child is born or, or, or else. Yeah. Yeah. Cromwell's talking to Chapuis, uh, and he says that he heard that Cromwell is turning monk- monks and nuns out into the street. And Cromwell uh, says that everywhere his people go, they find monks and nuns begging to be let out of onto the street, basically. And all this, you know, scandal and, uh, you know, pederasty and all this sort of thing. Also, Chapuis hat is very stupid. It is very stupid, and actually, I think that might be a little book Easter egg, because there's this whole silly subplot in... in uh, bring up the bodies where he wears this really silly hat on Christmas and Cromwell kind of makes fun of him for it. And then it's like, he like Cromwell borrows it and then keeps forgetting to give it back. I mean, it's just, yes, that is true. I I don't know why I'm like fact checking. Yeah, that's correct. Everybody. Amy's not just making things up that were in the book that we both. (laughs) Right. Even though it doesn't have anything to do with anything. And it's just, yeah. Um, yeah, Chapuis then says that, uh, he, that, uh, that, you know, he, he basically threatens that they could cut off food from the empire. Um, and Cromwell's like, why would you do that? That wouldn't help anybody. And he says, then you could see how you're bad, badly you're governed. And then he like takes his silly hat off and is sad for a second. And Cromwell establishes that he is sad because Catherine is dying all alone and he's worried that uh, he won't, the king won't let him visit her. So Cromwell, not made of stone, apparently likes Chapuis more than he likes Princess Mary. <laughs> yeah. And he's advocating to the king and queen that Chapuis be permitted to go be with Catherine as she's dying. And <laughs> Anne is like, she's not di- Like, she's just trying to make trouble for me. Like, everything <laughs> yeah. she does is about me. Yeah. But uh, Henry says that he won't deal with Chapuis until he bows before Anne. Mm-hmm. So he has not acknowledged her as the queen and has been, like, actively dodging her yeah. as a way of not having to, like... It's basically... I've thought about this because I was talking to my dad earlier. Mm-hmm. And when I'm talking to my parents... I'm very tired sometimes. And I'm like, I'm just not going to refer to Amy yeah. so that I don't have to try to remember to say the right name. And I failed because I was talking about how much you love watching Wolf Hall. And I called you Tom and corrected myself. But anyway. I, I have other qualities. You do have other qualities. It just happened to be what I was talking about today, minutes before you picked me up to do this podcast. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, but it, you're just like, oh, I'll just avoid this forever. And then it never works out and you say the wrong name. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, they're all on, I guess, some kind of hunting expedition. Their clothes are great in this yeah. scene. I was like, oh, and Anne's wearing a really cool snood. Claire Foy <laughs> just looks great. Yeah, when she's carrying what seemed to be like... A giant crossbow? Yeah, but it seemed like it was a giant crossbow that they like put some like ribbons on or something to make it like a girl's crossbow. Yeah, it's a girl's crossbow. <laughs> Don't you know anything? Girls' crossbows always have ribbons on them. <laughs> I thought you were a girl now. Well, I've never been hunting. Get your manual, A Girl's <laughs> Guide to Hunting and Other Crap. Uh, it's no. also got ribbons on it. <laughs> it's appreciated, but I don't like the outdoors. Yeah, is there is there a type of hunting that involves staying inside and not killing anything? Uh, <laughs> when you lose your keys... Uh, Duck Hunt on Super Mario. Not even That would be Super so Mario. fun. Whatever. God, I wish we were playing Duck Hunt right now. <laughs> Sadly, we have to do this stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> eh, maybe I'll move to New York and we'll never have to do it again. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> uh, so we see Catherine in her deathbed and uh, she dies and... Uh, the people around there seemed reasonably sad. Yeah, but, you know, they weren't like, you know, those were all people that were, like, paid to be there. Oh, right, that's true. That's like if the only people who come to see you in the hospital are, like, your coworkers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then Anne, like, drops to her knees, and she's, I guess, very happy that Catherine is dead. At first, I thought she was miscarrying again. <laughs> and I was like, she's smiling? Like, this is, this is, this hurts. Yeah, yeah. Then I realized, okay. Yeah. So now Catherine's dead. Anne's very happy. Yeah. So Henry walks around a party. Which is apparently a, hey, great. My first wife is dead party. Yeah. That's a callous fucking party. It is a callous fucking I, party. I'm a it. Yeah. And, and they were, Henry and Anne are wearing yellow, which they always wear when they're celebrating something. Mm-hmm. Which is very rude. Yes. Uh, but Henry is carrying his adorable baby Elizabeth. She's so cute yeah, for she, a ginger. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> very chill, uh, baby Elizabeth. Uh, and he talks about how Elizabeth is so eager to see her younger brother. Elizabeth's like, you're putting words in my mouth, dude. I don't, you know. Well, and he's like, oh, it's been such a long, like, he's like totally like accusing Anne of like taking so long to create a male heir. It's like, dude, calm down. Yeah. These things take as long as they take. Yeah. Like a fertility doctor wouldn't have even put you on drugs yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, somebody, I think it might be Risley asks, uh, if they'll have bring Catherine's body to St. Paul's and Henry says, mm, we'll let her to rest in Peterborough. It will save money or whatever. Uh, cause he's a cheap some bitch. She, he also takes a letter out of his sleeve that he says Catherine sent that he does not want and asks Cromwell to get rid of it. Uh, Risley then tells Cromwell, uh, off to the side that the king wants Catherine's furs and plates, but Richard Risch, Solicitor General, pointed out that if they were never married, he doesn't actually have any right to them, and Cromwell says, oh, he'll have the furs. Also, though, like, he's the king. Can't he just <laughs> take anybody's furs and plates that he wants? Uh, not according to Magna Carta. Oh, well, I don't see that they need that anymore. <laughs> the Bush administration agrees. 
So we get Catherine's VO from the letter over her funeral, and basically she's like, please be a good father to our daughter. Uh, surprise, he won't. <laughs> and she still is in love with him. Yeah. And I think that's dumb. Yeah, I do too. Like, I don't know if it's a play to try and, like, get him to feel a way, but it's like, ugh. Like, he, like, he blocked your number, girl. Yeah. Like, he's not about this at all. Yeah. Uh, then Anne's bed catches on fire. What? Yeah. Uh, so it's just, it's the bed hangings and she sees and gets out. And so we're in the aftermath. She's fine. And Henry's like, oh, if only I'd been here, I could have saved you. And he couldn't have saved anything. <laughs> like, I don't think he is good at stuff. Well, there was not like she saved herself. She's fine. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Cromwell and also Henry are sort of examining the burned bed curtains. Uh, Anne talks to Cromwell in French for a bit, saying first that there's a prophecy that a queen of England would be burned, but she didn't think it meant in her bed. Um, and then they keep going a bit in French, which does Henry not speak French? Uh huh. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, but then all of a sudden he's like, ah, this was a good piece, referring to the curtain that yeah. got burned. And they're like, ugh. <laughs> You're stuck with him, you two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, and also, like, basically she says it was an unattended candle. And Cromwell uh, yes. says, unattended by who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Cromwell finds Lady Rockford in... Rochford? I've been saying Rochford. Rochford in the hall. And he's like, listen, uh, there needs to be somebody on duty making sure no candles burn stuff down. <laughs> He's like, you need to have a rota. You need to have people there yeah. around the clock. And then Lady Rochford is like, uh, this is a household matter. Mm-hmm. You're not in this Johnny Burns. <laughs> and then she like goes on this tear and she's like, listen up. Uh, I don't know who put that candle there. I don't know who lit it. If I even did know, I wouldn't tell you. Also, the queen's banging Henry Norris. <laughs> and he's just like, uh, listen, I'm going to continue to ignore these insinuations, but I'll pay you if you ever decide to quit being a fucking baby about everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we see the king praying uh, and also asking how much various like lordships and things are worth, how much they bring into the church, essentially. Uh, so if he took them over, how much he would get. Then, uh, apparently there's a tournament coming up that Gregory will be in, and Cromwell asks the king not to unhorse Gregor if he can help it. And the king says, we can't really help what we do. Uh, which he means specifically in the joust, but also I think he applies to everything he does. Yeah. Um, and I mean, he I think, has no control over. It. Right. And I mean, I think, you know, in terms of jousting itself, it makes sense that you can't, you've got to either do it or not do it, you know. Um, but yeah. And he says, not to worry. Gregory is very able and will make a good show. And Cromwell's like, I don't care if he makes a good show. I just don't want him to get flattened. Mm-hmm. So Cromwell then walks over to the tournament and he looks cranky. Also very overdressed. Yeah. It's very bright and sunny and he's dressed for like winter. But uh he comes over and he enters the tent where Gregory is getting armored up and Gregory is like, oh, you're not coming. And it's like, Cromwell, watch Hook before it's too late. <laughs> and so he watches this guy, you know, he's getting before all the armor. Before you lose armor, your marbles. All the armor. Jesus all the armor is getting put on Gregory and he's like, yeah, I can't go. 
Also, here's some advice I got from this wandering night. Uh, and Gregory is like, we all literally hate these stories that you have. Like, we all know your only valuable skill is like maneuvering. Yeah. I've also you- been training for the joust for years. I don't need your random story, old man. Yeah. Well, look, they're trying and failing to have a relationship. And that's just that's how it is. Yeah, that is. Uh, Rafe brings Cromwell a gift, uh, and asks him it's relics, and he has to get what relics they are, and it eventually turns out to be St. Edmund's nail parings. And he says, the man must have had 500 fingers. <laughs> uh, he also has a rumor that some priest says he has a papal license to keep a whore, and then all of a sudden Richard Rich rocks in. And says, "That's Richard Cromwell." Oh no, you're right. That's Richard Cromwell. Sorry. I wrote it specifically no, no, I, so that this wouldn't happen. <laughs> there's Cromwells everywhere. Um, there's not that many. There's way more Boleyns. Yeah, of that's whom true. Richard Rich is one. Yeah. Um, nope. Anyway, Richard Cromwell comes in and says, uh, and he's clearly got bad news. And Cromwell thinks it's Gregory, but he says, "No, it's it's Henry. It's the king. He's he's dead." And it's like. I think I watched this before I read the book. Mm. Or did I? I don't know what happened to me. Either way. But I was like, whoa? Yeah. I mean, because obviously uh, he had many more wives' lives to ruin <laughs> right. after this. And I was like, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so, knock, knock. History called. Yeah. So Cromwell grabs a knife, sticks it up his sleeve, and heads out. And Rafe and Richard are like, uh, so shouldn't we escape now before they close the ports yeah and Cromwell's like I think we can get out of this and they're like we are not sure but he's like go get Fitzwilliam and he fights his way through this crowd to the king and it's like absolute chaos Richard Rich is saying Cromwell is dead and it's like dude come on yeah uh, play it a little cool Norfolk is saying all this stuff about no woman who's pregnant is going to be regent he's going to be the regent yeah and it is absolutely insane. Yeah. And well, and just when Cromwell walks in, like he's literally throwing people out of his way to get to the king. So Cromwell, like seeing this nightmare that his life would be, yeah, presumably his very short life would be, <laughs> uh, just bangs Henry in the chest twice, and he revives. Yeah. And. Uh, everybody is, is saying, you know, long live the king. And they're yeah. all like, and Henry looks fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as you would expect. Yeah. He's been mostly dead for three days. Uh, so yeah, in the aftermath. Oh, and I'm sorry. Uh, Fitzwilliam did come in during all that. And yeah. he told him to get to Princess Mary. Right. And try to get her to safety. Yeah. And, you know, cause if the Boleyns get her, she'll be dead. And Rafe says, but those, her, uh, the people in the the castle there or whatever are Boleyns. What if they don't let her in? He's like, well, then she's dead. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> So Cromwell is sitting with Fitzwilliam and Cromwell says, how many people can say my only friend is the King of England? Uh, and Fitzwilliam, who's kind of tied in with the old guard, the like, like the, those, the anti-Boleyns, the anti-Boleyns. <laughs> yeah. is like, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're not without friends and, and then he sort of clarifies, you know, if you were going up against the Boleyns, well then, gosh, who knows? Yeah. You might be on your side. And this it's this whole uh, little conversation. Well, because he tells him Sir Nicholas Carew would be a good person to dine with. And, mm. you know, he has some... 
stuff going on and uh you know let's all plan for the future yeah when he says uh he says me and the queen are perfect friends and fitzwilliam says you'll forgive my skepticism he says that twice doesn't he well it's like his, that's his... when because it's when fitzwilliam says that cromwell has friends uh-huh. cromwell says you'll forgive okay, me yeah. thank you yeah 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 i knew there was some sort of callback there yeah Inside, Anne is brought to Henry. Now, when she was told the king was dead, she basically collapsed and, mm-hmm. you know, has been, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, the Boleyns talk a big game, but it's not as if they, <laughs> they were assured of anything if Henry died. Yeah. So her father and brother are, like, supporting her as she approaches Henry. And she says that she and all of England pray that he will give up jousting for good. Yeah. The king beckons her to him and then yells... Well, he whispers this, but, but like, like he's very angry. He's like, why not gout me while you're at it? And Anne is so upset, she runs away. And then very cinematically, as the whole Boleyn entourage leaves, Jane Seymour is just standing there. Uh, yeah. Apparently, no family. Uh, no no complications. Well, yeah, well, because she was in Anne's you know, train or whatever in the back. And so when they all head out, she just kind of waits a few beats before turning and going yes. with them. So uh, we see Anne's fool pretending to give birth and then producing a little doll and then stomping on it and then walking past a bloody cloth. Which, that seems very insensitive to do. Yeah. I, I, I don't think she's the best fool. I think I, you could do better. I mean, or is she the best fool? Well, right. Like, I don't know what the criteria... How do you grade fools? <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. What's the deal with fools? <laughs> Uh, so Lady Rochford is telling Henry that the child, uh, appeared to be 15 weeks along and male, uh, and he gets really angry at her and says that she's never given birth and there should have been a matron there, but there's always Boleyns crowding in at every tragedy. And Jane's like, uh... By marriage! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He heads out and Henry says that he sees that God will not give him male children. Uh, and it's just, so it's Cromwell and Cranmer that are in there. And he's like, uh, it seems to me that I was dishonestly led into this marriage. And Cranmer looks at Cromwell and Cromwell's like, I'm not saying anything. Yeah. Cranmer's like, uh, dishonestly how? <laughs> and he's like, oh, you know, it was p- perhaps uh, with spells or potions. Women do such things. And he does, he has a few lines about what women do, and he always has this, like, you guys know, like, it's... <laughs> no, it's like the one misogynist in your group of, like, you pretty much stomped <laughs> it out of everybody, and they're like, dude, like, one more, one more of these outbursts, and you're done. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of, it's him speculating, and Cranman and Cromwell going, eee. They're like, this sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. Jane receives a purse from the king. Uh, and so we sort of see this happening and the Seymour, as the Seymours are reporting it to Cromwell. Mm-hmm. So they have no idea how much was in the purse because she sent it back along with a letter with the king's seal. But before she sent the letter back, she kissed it. And Jimmy Kent is like, what genius possessed <laughs> her to do that? So now Henry is running around praising the chastity and virtue of Lady Jane Seymour. Right. So she's, uh, she's playing everybody like a fiddle, apparently. Yeah. Well, and there's a lot, yeah, so. 
Yeah, there, he says something about Cromwell says something about as long as the king holds to the present queen, then so will I, which by itself is a given giveaway because he refers to as the present queen. Yeah. So, oh. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah. Yeah, because I read it more as like, a, "Hey guys, calm down." Right. Which they're is, like, yeah. "Why aren't you jumping on this, dude?" Yeah. There's money in it. There was a whole purse of it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I don't think I'd caught There's that before. Be more purses. <laughs> But yeah, mainly, mainly Cromwell's just, yeah. The, the other line is, I represent the king's interests. That's what I'm for. I know. I just want to represent the king's interests. I know. We all do. Why? No, I especially do. <laughs> Fine. You would hate representing the king's interests. You'd have to talk to so many people. I didn't know there'd be talking. <laughs> what do you think it is that Cromwell does? This is your favorite TV show. You watch it all the time. <laughs> Cromwell doesn't talk that much when you watch it. Oh my god. I like the part where he you're He writes si- a lot of letters, bro. I like the part where you're sitting at dinner just watching other people talk. That's the part yeah, you could do. Yeah, but you have to do the other part too. <laughs> I don't have time to make you a mini Cromwell. I'm too busy trying to serve the interests of the king. <laughs> um so Cromwell encounters Gardner in some hallway, which, by the way, I had missed it before, but Gardner plays the guy from the Iron Bank on Game of he Thrones. He does. Ugly as sin. Yes. Mark Gadness. Yeah. I also don't know if we ever mentioned that Thomas More and Maester Kyburn are the, are the same actor, I but... I I can't... Ah, I've talked about it on a podcast. <laughs> They're b- both characters are ill-dressed, so there's that going on with them. I'm from a casino. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, sent some people to Putney to dig up dirt in Cro- on Cromwell. Cromwell's like, Psh, whatever. You got nothing on me. Only it turns out Gardner found out that uh, the fight that had caused Cromwell to run away from home, the other boy had died, and that the parents had had a noose for Cromwell, but Cromwell's father bought them off, which Cromwell clearly did not know or – and did not expect. Yeah. Gardner says, see, I know things about you that you don't know yourself. I think Cromwell lets this get to him a little bit too much. Because let us not forget, number one, Gardner is ugly. <laughs> number two, like, you hate this guy. He's a human slug. <laughs> like, he... He can't really do anything with this information. You know, I understand the mind fuckery of being like, yeah. oh... I killed a child when I was a child, and also I guess my dad cared about me on some level? Like, that is, those are both revelations that should rock you back a bit, but I think he, he just lets it, yeah, get inside of him too much. I wonder if Gardner, like, because it seems like, what's the point of Gardner, like, this scene almost, cause I don't feel like Gardner does anything else in this episode or the next. But I do wonder maybe down the road, Gardner, like in the third book, if that ever happens, will wind up like being involved in Cromwell's downfall. It's possible. But I think as far as this episode is concerned, this is what prompts his response to the king later. I mean, this this is where his head was. Yeah, that makes sense. Chapuis comes to Cromwell again and, you know, Cromwell is now waxing philosophical because of this thing that he has found out and he's talking about how 
the cardinal used to tell people all sorts of things about Cromwell about, or about the cardinal. About okay. Cromwell, yeah. That he was an orphan or that he was Irish or he just got out of prison. Yeah. And he said that the cardinal thought you should lie about your past as much as possible, which is really a quality you want in an officer of the church. <laughs> And uh, it turns out Chapuis did not go to Catherine's funeral because she was not buried as a queen. So he had to boycott. And he finally brings up, oh, hey, uh, who's this Simmer girl <laughs> that I've been hearing about? And Cromwell's like, number one, I thought we were friends and you didn't come here for these reasons. But also her name is Seymour and she's fine. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he's like, oh, why don't you just uh, come to court? Just yeah. come to court and come, come to mass, mass and yeah. we'll see about getting you in front of Henry. Yeah. So uh, at mass, time for uh, the Eucharist. And Chipwee gets up and heads off and there's a bunch of like eye contact and all sorts of things among other people. And the result is that the Boleyn family all ends up standing right behind Chapuis as Anne Boleyn walks in to meet him. So he turns around and, like, runs into five Boleyns and sees that he's trapped. Uh, and so very reluctantly, very, like, slightly bows his head to Anne. Uh-huh. And she and her ladies all curtsy in return. And uh, that's it. <laughs> and Cromwell watches, grinning. Trixie Cromwell. And there's <laughs> a brief scene where Chapuis is angry at, you know, Cromwell for doing this. And right. Cromwell's just like... Now you get to talk to Henry. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. So Cromwell's with Audley looking at Shepwe talking to Henry and Audley wants to like leave and just chill out for a while. Yeah. But Cromwell approaches and the king starts yelling at Shepwe because Shepwe has requested a Spanish match for Princess Mary and Henry is too angry at the Holy Roman Emperor still mm-hmm. To be dealing with anything. Yeah. So he he screams at Chapuis and then... Nearly hits him. <clears throat> yeah, he like draws back to punch him and then he pops off on Cromwell. Yeah. And he is saying, oh, you told him all these things. Now, he did tell him that he had influence with the king. Right. But he's like, oh, you told him that like you can make me do whatever you want and I think you think you're the king and he won't stop. So Cromwell crosses his wrists in front of his face, which yeah. stops the king cold. Yeah. And Cromwell just says, God preserve the king, excuse, like, and then he just leaves. Yeah, yeah. So we see him drinking, and it's well done physical acting because it's like, you can see him, A, trying to keep his hands from shaking, taking a drink, and then putting it, and then they actually are shaking. Uh-huh. Um, he's clearly, like, very upset, and he flashes back to his childhood when he badly burned his hand. Uh, and now, his, what the fuck was he doing? Well, How did he not know that was hot? Right. I mean, I know, but, you know, I did the same thing once with a pan I'd had in the oven. You as know, an adult. As an adult. I pulled it out, and I was like, okay, I remember, this whole thing was in the oven. And then, like, 30 seconds later, I was like, well, I guess I'll grab the handle to stir this around. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, his father tells him to cross his wrists and that it confuses the pain. Uh, when I burned my hand, Jared recommended putting yellow mustard on it, which really is quite effective as a burn huh, remedy. Turmeric. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, hippies. Yeah, but of course, mustard would have been uh, way too expensive for these blacksmiths. So. <laughs> uh, then George Bolin comes in and uh, gives him this smug lecture about, well, I guess you see now that you're no gentleman and blah blah blah. 
meanwhile, Cromwell flashes back to the, uh, sending Cardinal Wolsey to hell mask and remembers that George Boleyn was in it. Uh, and so George heads out and Cromwell says, I shall profit from this lesson. And it's clearly a threat, but George Boleyn is like, see that you do, like, you yeah. idiot. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of it is it's, there's nothing George Boleyn can say to that. Yeah. Well, he also, the, the line before that was, remember who brought you to the king's notice, which was, of course, Cardinal Wolsey, uh-huh. not Anne Boleyn, as the Boleyns keep seeming to forget. Uh-huh. Oddly, at the king's cabinet meeting, asks the king, please, to stop being a dick to Chapuis. And finally, Henry's like, yeah, okay, fine. I will stop. He says, if it's for the good of the commonweal. And uh, he says, you know, he's open to treaties with the Holy Roman Empire, but Mary will have no foreign match. She is not leaving the country. That is final. And Cromwell pipes up finally and he's like, oh, you finally said something. And then Thomas Bolin is like, oh, we heard how you got dressed down. <laughs> yeah. And Audley's like, thank you. Yeah. Poor Audley. Yeah. He's really just stuck in the middle of all this nonsense. <laughs> so is. the king gets up and asks Cromwell to go for a walk with him. Yeah. So out in the garden, he wants to go see, uh, to the wield, whatever that is, and see like charcoal burners and blacksmiths and whatnot, because he's gotten, uh, ideas on how to improve his ordinance, but he couldn't make of anything of them the way Cromwell could, because, and he stopped and he says, because you're my right hand man, sir. And Cromwell doesn't like warm up right away exactly, but you know, eventually he's like, Okay, we can go see the blacksmiths, but not this summer. I think you'll be too busy. And Henry's like, yes. Uh, speaking of which, I can't be married to Anne anymore. Uh, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> he suggests that uh, maybe that Harry Percy thing really did happen after all. And he also says, you know, I, I did bang her sister. Maybe that is that, that a like, thing? They're not even good reasons. <laughs> no, they're not. So then in some, you know, sort of like where a bunch of dudes are hanging out. Henry yeah. is observing that Mistress Jane Seymour has the tiniest hands. And then he walks out. <laughs> yeah. And a bunch of dudes are like, uh, whatever, weirdo. <laughs> like, what? What? You're weird, man. Yeah. And yeah. they call Rafe Cromwell's spy. Uh, and with good reason. Yeah. Uh, cut to Rafe's reporting his spying work. Um, and he actually, like, he feels a little bad about it, you know, about spying uh-huh. actually it's like come on rafe you know the deal i feel like with this show it's the opposite problem of game of thrones where like shouldn't rafe be a lot older now yeah shouldn't he have some facial hair or yeah. anything why do, uh, he may just not be able to grow facial hair it's part uh, of you the- can get a merkin <laughs> a face merkin it's just part of that spell that was cast on him the eyes <laughs> clean shaven <laughs> if you want to talk to trees you can't have a beard <laughs> But he reports that Weston, Brereton, and Norris talk about the queen, saying that she needs to get pregnant quick, and they don't think Henry is up to it, so they debate which one of them will do the honor. And he asked, Cromwell asks if they come to any conclusion, and Rafe's like, uh, you know, it's just talk. And Cromwell says, so do they come to any yeah. conclusion? And he says, I think it's every man for himself. So he heads out, and Cromwell has a flashback to Wolsey. It's not even a flashback. Yeah, just he, like, a, imagines him in the room. Yeah, a vision of Wolsey who says, you better get the king a new wife. I didn't, and I'm dead. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's that's the episode. What a boring episode. It was a pretty boring episode. This yeah. is really a table setter. This yeah. is like, you know, the first five episodes of a season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. No, the only <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, the the only bit I really liked was the part where Henry was dead. Like I remembered that being much more of the show than it was. Mm. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean that it made a that, huge impact on me clearly. Yeah. I mean it's a big, you know, it's the only big thing in the in the episode, but like that and Anne's miscarriage. I mean, you know, she's had several. Right. Like <laughs> it's getting kind of a tired plot device. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Honestly, maybe now instead of on TV like people keep using like rapes, just have everybody have a miscarriage instead. Yeah. That would be way more interesting. There's a lot more ways to see people react to that. Yeah. You know, and miscarriage is much like rape. Almost every woman has had one. Yeah! <laughs> I don't know why I was so enthusiastic. I don't know either. Though. Oh, rape. Yeah. It just won't stop. <laughs> so, on that unexpected note... <laughs> Until next time... Up, up yours, yours, downstairs... downstairs. Luncheon out.